Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. My guest today is chairman of the Global Entrepreneurship Network, a network that operates a platform of projects and programs in 170 countries, making it easier for anyone, anywhere to start and scale a business. We know we need that. Jeff Hoffman is helping celebrate, understand, support, and connect entrepreneurs with those who champion them. He is also a vocal proponent of parody in business and entrepreneurship. We're going to be talking about that right off at the beginning of the show. And we'll also be talking about his partnership with Pitbull. (laughs) You got to listen to that. He is also known as the founder of the travel booking website, Priceline.com. Jeff, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you for having me. And thank you for reading that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll go back and we'll clean it up. That's what we always do when when I do these shows sometimes. Hey, I want to talk about parity and equality in entrepreneurship. What's it going to take to achieve it? Well, you know, the first step, and we've been really focused on that. In fact, let me just say quickly that we did a uh, partnership at Gen, a global entrepreneurship network with a small business entity called Hello Alice to give out our own $10,000 cash grants, not loans, just grants and not government money, private money to as many small businesses as we can because of the fact that we saw the data that that minority-owned businesses, there isn't parity. 91% of Black-owned businesses in America were rejected from the government PPP funds. 91% of Latino-owned businesses and similar numbers for women-owned, LBGTQ, and veteran-owned. So we said, look, the, the only way to, uh, to achieve parity with a lot of small businesses is that people are going to have to take it into their own hands. People are going to have to earmark funds and earmark mentorship and make sure it's getting distributed to the small business owners that have typically been kind of left behind. So that's what we've been focused on. Well, and you got to have those those businesses because many of those businesses are in areas that aren't served by a lot of other people. They're desert, you know, they're deserts. Like we've talked about food deserts on this show, uh, but you've got so just enterprise deserts as well. You need those businesses. But I, you know, Jeff, I'm sitting here listening. Ninety percent now. How first of all, how would they know they're they're black, Latino, or is it? Do you have to indicate that on the form? I don't even know that. It is part of the process, yes. And, and, and most of those, uh, there's demographic information that they fill out in most of those applications. And then that, those numbers, by the way, came from a study done by the uh, U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the Center for Responsible Lending. So we went to those sources who went back and reviewed those applications and verified those numbers. And it's just unacceptable. It's like oh, you said, not only do we need those businesses, but the truth is, I went back and looked at the Stanford study on economic recovery after the 2008 recession, and it was those minority-owned small business owners that really rebuilt the economy. They were up and running the fastest and moving the yeah. economy. They're cash-based businesses, and we need them. Well, so first of all, why are they being rejected? It's bullshit. I mean, it, 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 certainly, it, I think... Well, I would hope it's not because of color. It's not because of race, right? It's got to be more things Uh, about the way they do it, right? I'll tell you what, a lot of it has to do with the PPP program specifically, you know, is administered through banks. 
And the money went to, I bank at Chase Bank, right? You probably bank at a major bank. They don't. They use credit unions and they use small regional banks that support them locally. And those banks were either not included or just didn't get PPP money. So the issue is you have to have a banking relationship and the kind they have typically didn't have the money. So they said, we can't help you with it. Well, that's happening with a lot of entrepreneurs, not just whether you're black or Hispanic, because they just don't do the traditional banking the way that we used to do it. You know, we're a little bit more grayer. So we've got a little bit more of that kind of relationship with a lot of banks where, quite frankly, I would imagine you do like I do with my local bank. I can call them up and with not even a handshake. We can do deals. Absolutely. Uh, do over and, the phone. And you're right. The, the system just was not structured to really represent the way those small business owners manage their business. Do you think that you think the, those entities that are running the PPP, those entities that are running the kind of like what we would call more traditional financing or the more traditional SBA kind of thing, do you think they're starting to realize that, hey, business ain't done that way anymore? Um, I think so. But part of the problem, and, and, you know, I've said this, been very vocal about this, whether I was, you know, over the years supporting entrepreneurship in the Obama White House or, uh, you know, the State Department, the UN, everywhere I've gone, I've said the same thing that uh, until they dig deeper into the way those businesses are run, because they don't see that from their job, right? Where they sit and what they do all that day, they don't really have enough direct contact in the field with those small businesses in places like Jersey City or Detroit or wherever. So right. I think the realization is only happening now. And it's and here's the bad news, Jeffrey. It's too late for a lot of these small yeah. businesses. They're gone. They are not surviving yeah. or didn't survive COVID. Yeah. Now they got to start up. And so they lose that money and it doesn't seem fair because now they'll start up again some other way because that's the way entrepreneurs are. They'll go get more funding from other people or somehow they'll find a way to do it. Entrepreneurs always do. And yet right. they won't be able to be given the benefit that say, I don't know, I'm going to say it like a Ruth Chris's or some of these others that got millions of dollars. Right. And I, I'm looking forward to the day they put out the list, quite frankly. The list oh, yeah. of who got funded. That's going to be interesting because you know we're all going to go through it. And we're going to go, they don't deserve it. And a lot of those folks, quite frankly, Jeff, we know. I know who they are. And, you know, I'm going like they don't need it, not like the small guys need it. So, And, and yeah, somebody has some questions to answer. And, and meanwhile, again, these businesses, you're right, they're resilient. They will find a way. But it's not right that they're having to find a way when, when a, a big company like you were just referencing got, you know, huge money out of this program. That is not the way anything should be working around here. But that's also why, and it's part of why I wanted to be here with you today. It's part of the call to action uh, to people everywhere. Like I said, our program, and some people might have seen it, uh, one of my partners in helping spread awareness is my friend Pitbull, the uh, singer. And he oh, and I yeah. did television. We did television PSAs to spread awareness that, uh, that Pitbull and I went on to, to make sure that the word was getting out in the community that everybody's got to step up. You know, I always give this talk about there is no they. They aren't going to help those small businesses where you live. You are. So just like what we did where we rounded up money to save businesses where we could, people listening to this need to look in their community, find those small businesses that nobody's helping and rally the community to go help them because we don't want them to disappear. Amen. Well, speaking about rally, I need to go take a quick break and I'll be right back <laughs> after this message. All right. C-Suite Radio. 
Hey, we're back live casting right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you all business with Jeffrey Hazard right here on C-Suite Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget, tell your friends because that's how we grow. You know, we're growing at about 40% a month. We're in like the hockey stick of growth, way up here at the tip. I used to be always at the handle and now I'm way up at the tip and I love it. I love it. And it's all because of one great content, great guest like our guest today, Jeff Hoffman, the chairman of Global Entrepreneurship Network. And of course, uh, the founder of so many other things and just doing great job. You mentioned before the before the break, Jeff, your friend Pitbull, and I'm just thinking, knowing you, and then I see Pitbull. I don't see the two of those coming together. How did you guys get together? <laughs> it's funny because uh, the crossover. He's a lot of people don't think about this. Um, artists, right? Entertainers are the ultimate entrepreneurs. This he man, is a big he, entrepreneur. Yeah, he he, he is. Uh, Son of a Cuban immigrant, grew up on the hard streets of Miami without a dime in her foster home and launched a business, which just happens to be himself and his product happens to be songs. And today the guy's got like 90 million social media followers all over the world. And so like any other entrepreneur, he created his future. So he gets entrepreneurship. So he and I connected over the fact that entrepreneurship really means self-determination. You're in charge of your own future. You need to go out and build it in the same way he did. And that's why we decided to team together to share as much learning as we could with as many small businesses in this country as we could. That's fabulous. I know he's a good, he's also a good friend with Damon John, a good friend of mine as well. And they do a lot of work together. I got to get me one of those cool names like Pitbull or something. Don't <laughs> you? What would you be called? If you could get a nickname, what would you be called? I don't know. It's funny because we were joking the other day since he's Mr. Worldwide is his other nickname. Oh, wow. There you uh, go. So somebody that saw us on TV uh, posted Mr. Worldwide and Mr. Global. So if I had <laughs> shot at a nickname, I would have taken that one since we do business in 170 countries. No one actually offered me that, but that's the nickname I would want. Oh, but you need a, you need a, like an animal like Bulldog. He's Pitbull. You should be Bulldog. You could be like Poodle. Poodle would be. I don't know. Some... Uh, some kids the other day uh, called me something to the effect of bald eagle. Could be worse, hey, I guess. <laughs> bald eagle, that's good. Yeah, first one that calls me boomers getting punched in the face. Though. I'm going to tell you that right now. So, hey, you mentor a, a, a ton of people, and you and I have been on stage so many times together, uh, different programs, and of course, or miss each other by a day or two, which just happens when you're at our level. <laughs> and but, how, what do you look for when you're mentoring a young entrepreneur? Well, and by the way, I do want to say it's been great uh, being on stage with you, especially at things like uh, supporting women entrepreneurs and women in business that you and I have both been doing and a lot of other groups. Lately, during COVID, I have spoken to entrepreneurs all over this country in in a hundred other countries to give advice. And really what I look for is less the business and more the ripple effect, uh, the Mm -hmm. impact. If If you and I... Spend our time to make this entrepreneur successful. How will they use their success to make other people's lives better? That's what I really focus on. If I believe your success will be the multiplier effect to have impact on other people's lives, then I want to help you be successful. Well, Jeff, you you sound like a little bit of an evangelist, which I love, brother. You know, by the way, I love values and I'm a real believer in the values. Like, you know, it's it's one thing to make money, but if you're not doing good things with it, what's the use, right? Um, like, you know, I'm, I love, I love CEOs making money, but I don't think you should make a hundred thousand times more than what the average person in your, in your business makes. I don't think that's fair. 
You know, I just don't think that's a good thing. Now, some people say, well, that's anti, um, you know, free enterprise. No, I think free enterprise is supposed to bring all people up. That's it's called the enterprise for a reason. Right. I, I completely agree. And some of those CEOs make that money even when they don't perform. Uh, totally. Yeah. Or when they get fired and they still walk away with a $40 million package or, or when the company goes bankrupt, remember the Toys R Us that they, the audacity to say they wanted to get paid in a bankruptcy, the audacity of that. I, I just, I can't even, I can't even comprehend something. It's just a total thing. Do you think that comes, was that before you started making your money or was that always been a part of you in the business you know, through uh, Priceline and all the other stuff. You, you, you know what you I know, mean? Because we tend to get a little bit more sure. retrospective once we have money, okay, as opposed to when we're going through and building it. And it seems to be more of the latter now. Well, you know, that's fair because obviously the generation I was raised in was was more me-focused and money-focused, right? The definition of success was, uh, you know, to go out and achieve financial success and a big title and whatever, and I will say this, uh, I was blessed. My first company was uh, uh, creating the check-in kiosks in airports. Uh, yeah. And I was 20-something oh. years old. We were able to sell those to airports all over the world and then sell the company. And I was never a money-focused person, was blessed enough that we did a multi-million dollar exit when I was in my 20s. And here's what I discovered. Um, I am not pretending that that wasn't okay or that I hated money or anything. But at the end of that, I literally sat back and said, that's it. This is the rat race everybody's in their whole life to get to this because this can't be all it was, right? It, 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 the, the, the sort of, you know, the, the sizzle wore off pretty quickly. And I started seeing that for any one of us to get anywhere that matters, a whole bunch of, just like you said, that CEO of the company, there was a whole bunch of people that contributed to that success and are not equally compensated. And that got me focused on the fact that what you said, a rising tide lifts all boats. What if we took our success and took our time and helped everybody else get to whatever their best life is, their definition of a best life? Um, and so I, I just, one really quick story, Jeffrey. I started a music company and we were blessed enough to win a Grammy for a jazz album we produced. And I was standing on the Grammy red carpet when we won the Grammy and thinking to myself, there's no way I deserve to be this lucky the way, and feel the way I do right now. And I had a thought. Every human being should get a chance to feel like I feel right now, should have their own red carpet moment. So I yeah. made a commitment for the rest of my life to do whatever I can do to help as many people as I can have a chance to feel their version of a red carpet moment, to feel as blessed as I have been in my life. And entrepreneurship just happens to be that tool set of designing your future. So. I got there bit by bit. You are correct. I didn't start that way. I just learned the lesson when I achieved, quote, success and discovered that this can't be all this is about. You know, and, and for those that we mentor and those that we always write in and talk about it and say, well, did you know that ahead of time? You never know that stuff ahead of time. You kind of learn it as you go. You, you build the plane as you're flying it. That's what happens. By the way, congrats on the Grammy. I know what that takes. My wife was a Grammy nominated artist as well. I like to tell everybody that because I'm sleeping with a Grammy nominated artist. That makes, <laughs> me, that makes me cool. Okay. I think that's cool. I don't know if your wife uses that, but there you go. Hey, you're also involved with an organization that serves as a social entrepreneurship think tank for kids and teens. How did you go about recruiting kids? 
Oh, wow, that's been, so I spend a lot of time visiting schools all over the country at every level from middle school to high school to colleges and talking to kids. And the more that I did that, the more I discovered that they're way smarter than we ever give them credit for, right? Your kids, you think they're not listening. They're listening to a lot of stuff at home that you didn't think they were listening to. And they actually have way better ideas than we ever give them credit for. So as I started to meet really bright, motivated, passionate kids who wanted to change their world, it made sense. The organization is called Dream Tank, like Shark Tank, but pitching dreams oh, cool. instead. Yeah. And we are gathering, by the way, it's just dreamtank.co.co. Anybody wants to join us. We are gathering children, kids that want to change the world, kids that want to be invited to the table. When we're solving a problem like COVID, or racial injustice, kids have ideas too. And instead of having them listen to their parents, why don't we ask them, what do you think we could do better? And how do you think we could fix it? So that's what we're doing at Dream Tank. And we have found so many amazing young people that just want to have a voice. That's awesome. Well, let's take a quick break and give a voice to this commercial. I'll be right back after this. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back right here live on LinkedIn and Facebook as we're taping or recording All Business with Jeffrey it right here on C-Suite Radio. Thanks for joining us with us today. Jeff Hoffman, Chairman of the Global Entrepreneurship Network, and we're talking about kids and Dream Tank for a second here. I, I had a conversation with a past guest, Linda Kaplan-Thayer. You might know her. She's know a Linda. famous, world-famous uh, advertising executive about how adults... Um, we're not as creative as children, okay? We, which we aren't. I think kids are much more creative. What can you? What can you do? What can we do as business leaders to think more like a kid? And what's stopping us? So I, I absolutely love that. I have a uh, TED talk out there called "The Power of Childlike Wonder," and uh, I literally talked about the fact that I unintentionally brought a five-year-old into the office, and she asked better questions than any of us have asked, including myself as the CEO, in a long time. So. Part of it is literally include one. Run ideas. We've been at Dream Tank. We've been offering people, young youth, to sit in on a board meeting just because they think uninhibited and unbridled and they don't start with why this won't work. They start with why wouldn't this work? So literally thinking like a child and bringing some with you, inviting a young person, have a 19-year-old attend a strategic planning meeting just to see what crazy ideas they come up with that you never would have thought of, you would have edited yourself. Now, that's a great place to start. Yeah, caution though about taking those young kids. I brought my grandkids into the office one time, three and four years old, and uh, they took all of people's, the mice, the mouse, you know, on your computer, and they hit them in a giant uh, Oscar Mayer wiener thing that we had in the office and took us weeks to find it. So okay, just that's... a side note, hide, when, when, <laughs> when, when, when Sophie comes to the office, everyone knows to hide everything on the desk. But hey, That is I, pretty funny. It's funny. It's hilarious. You've been a successful entrepreneur for some time now. With everything that's going on, you know, there's all this crisis. But what opportunities do you see right now to start a business for, you know, entrepreneurs to get get going and get their butts in gear to really, you know, get America back to work again? I am so glad you asked that question because despite the obvious, you know, negatives and horrors of this moment in time with COVID, et cetera, um, there are huge opportunities. And they all center around this thing we're calling the new normal. And the new normal includes at least three massive uh, innovation opportunities. One of them is work from home, right? Yeah. All these companies that never had teleworkers, never had work from home, all of a sudden send all their employees home. 
And every day I talk to CEOs all over and they all say the same thing to me. What is the best possible tool set for collaborative work and work from home? A lot of them, Jeffrey, are telling me that when we go back, we're going to go back to three days in the office and two days at home. We're not going back to five days. So we need better tools. So you can be creating brand new tools to make working from home and working remotely and virtually more effective. The same thing goes for another whole industry, which is education, right? We discovered that our schools were woefully unprepared for online education, but four people started asking. School administrators said, what's the best tool set to teach students online? Teachers said, what are the best tools and apps for me to stay in contact and assess the progress of students that I can no longer physically encounter? Parents said, are there tools to help me supplement my child's education? And the older students, college kids said, hey, what other ways could I learn like peer-to-peer learning instead of just from an institutional? All those people need tools. And the last and obvious one is the healthcare industry. When you couldn't go to a doctor uh, or you didn't want to leave, how did you get access to, how did you get telemedicine? My doctor said to me recently, he said, I can't believe at my age, I'm saying this, but I just had my first Zoom patient visit ever. And now that I've done this, I think I'm going to start talking to way more patients a day before they come to the office. I'll diagnose and chat with them and then decide if they need to come in. So the the healthcare industry, education, and the teleworking industry all need new tools. And right now, if you're a smart entrepreneur, you're looking at ways to make it better and creating new products that a lot of people are interested in. Well, I'm going to give you one more. Number four, government. Government. Think about, you don't need, you shouldn't have to go in and get your driver or license uh, for license plates, things like that. You shouldn't. In fact, I'm actually doing a court case next week where I'm testifying by Zoom. You know, amazing. I thought I was going to have to fly down to Houston to do this court case for this person that is kind of a little wacky. And we're going to do it by Zoom. And, and I'm going like, hello, this is awesome. You know, this is going to be so awesome. much more efficient. Yeah, more money for Eric Juan and Zoom. But what the heck? <laughs> you know, it's, it's working out well. Hey, Jeff, what a pleasure to have you. We're going to have to have you back. I want to get more updates on what you're doing. There's some great work with Dream Tank. Great work with what you're doing on this entire network. And just and and I want to check and see how the new name name you know your new nickname, <laughs> okay. yeah, Paul Eagle or whatever we we said it was. We'll, we'll make it happen. But what a pleasure having you right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hayes. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned, and I tell you, it's what I've been saying all along. In crisis, there are opportunities. He he mentioned, hey, home education, healthcare. I added government. There's going to be lots of opportunities and different ways of doing business today in the new normal. And why can't you have a piece of that? Why can't you go out and actually create the category or start something new to help people do business in what's going to be called the new normal? You find out that and you'll make a fortune. That's what I learned right here on C-Suite Radio with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on All Business. Don't forget, tell your friends and thanks so much for listening. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.